I actually fucked up. I was thinking about Bono. <laughs> Bono. Oh, Bono. Oh, Bono. Difference. Now, Bono's very killable as well, I got to say. Yeah. yeah. And he's, him and, well, you two and Metallica are the two, the two bands that broke my heart. Because I was, I mean, like, <laughs> Metallica broke your heart? Did and Metallica, when I was a teenager, was fantastic. They had, like, the, the, all, all the, the early albums, like Garage Band, Ride the Lightning, all this stuff. Where I, I knew like, you were that guy. Oh, you should listen to the early things. <laughs> and then they started, then they discovered the ballad and how much money they could make. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah. And, ah, uh, God. It became an enterprise. I remember watching a documentary on Wilco and back in the scene in when I was living in New York, I, I kind of liked Wilco. And then I saw this documentary and they were so self-congratulatory and so full of themselves that I immediately deleted all of their music. <laughs> it was so powerful. It was so unbelievably. What did you do to Michael Jackson's album? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How many kids you got to fuck with? <laughs> you know, I have a curse about Michael Jackson. He died on my birthday. And now every oh. day on my birthday, the radio is filled with Michael Jackson. <laughs> it's like a curse. Are you a New Yorker? As such that you grew up in New, New York? York? No, I'm I'm kind of a transplant. So my stepfather was a New Yorker. And when I grew up uh, in Dallas, actually, damn, it Ticks. was, I God adopted, damn. my brother and I both got like a New York accent and, you know, we heard Locked a lot of stories movie. about New York and all that. Get the fuck out of here, <laughs> you know, and the attitude, the mindset of it, it, it just, we just picked it up and um, went to New York a few times as a kid, really liked it. Um, the day that I moved there, the first day I was in New York, I was like, oh, this is where I need to live. Like, it was just that instant, you know, I never felt comfortable in other cities in the States. So yeah, I kind of consider myself a New Yorker. How old were you when you moved to New York? 22, I think it was. Oh, but yeah. that's, that's a great age to move to a city like New York. Yeah. And it was right when the internet was happening, you yeah. know, so it was like 1996 around something like that. So wow. Yeah. It was, it was pretty cool. Yeah. So let's hit the button. Because this is stuff I've now got to move. Just uh, keep it keep it close, Jeremy. Keep the mic close. Keep it close. Uh, DJ Khaled! <laughs> you yeah. want to ad-lib anything. <laughs> we always go through this. I'm dying inside. <laughs> All right. Welcome to the XYZ Podcast. I'm Harry Fox, and I'm here with my main man, Christian Breaker. G'day. And Dean Ira. Hey. How you guys doing? Good. I love how when you we have a guest, you're like, oh, like Christian and Dean, whatever. <laughs> Let's get to the guest. Exactly. Every time. Every time. Every time. Every time. <laughs> Fuck these guys. We got someone interesting for a change. Exactly. We got someone that is actually interesting to talk to. <laughs> uh, so we have with us uh, a, a buddy and colleague and friend of mine, Jeremy Seitz. Welcome to the podcast, Jeremy. Why, thanks for having me. It's <laughs> lovely to be here, gentlemen. <laughs> Jeremy looks like Colonel Sanders. Wow. <laughs> so this, this That's just, a great start. I appreciate it. I appreciate he, it. He, he, <laughs> do, he does now, but if you look carefully, it, 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 he just needs to let himself go and it goes to Big Lebowski. <laughs> this is actually... And I would say, if I'm going to pitch Jeremy to the listeners, Jeremy <laughs> is the closest we're ever going to get to having the Big Lebowski on the podcast but i'm sure that uh, jeremy will bring the secret seasoning to this podcast so 
should be all right. Yeah, a lot no, of pressure, no pressure at all. Yeah. Yeah. Like secret spices. You know secret what? Spices. I, just, <laughs> I just want to have a beer and get out of here, guys. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know boy. what you're talking you about, this boy. podcast stuff and all this comedy. I don't know. I just, <laughs> I just want a beer and go to bed. Your, your voice Jesus is Christ. <laughs> It's no, really... I'm trying to channel the dude. The dude. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, we need to get you a bathrobe as yeah. well. Like, yeah. oh, that would be grand. Why can't you just relax? Just, you right. got such a soothing voice, though, for sure. Like, uh, it's nice and chill. But so, uh, so quick bit of little bit of history. So, so, well, Jeremy is a U.S. citizen. Are you a U.S. citizen? At the moment, it's true. Yes. And and I, I, we know each other from workplaces over maybe eight or nine years by now. About ten at this point. Maybe ten. Jesus yeah. Christ. Glad you guys could reconnect so well. And, yeah. And, and we've been... We've Thanks been... for calling me, man. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It took a while. Ten years later, we're here. <laughs> and I think and we've had many conversations, so on the on the aspects of be, being an expat in switzerland so maybe we're going to dig into some of that um and and then if you uh, there's another little factoid about jeremy is if you if you google his uh, surname what and what's the the other the, the name we should put before the sites jeremy yeah but the other one. Oh, my brother so, matt matt yeah we're here to get actually wait you're here so that we can get closer to your brother oh is that the reason we're here <laughs> okay <Exactly>. no. <laughs> no no my, my brother's a, a quite a popular film critic in in the u.s so he um there was this guy named roger ebert who was big on the film scene for like 30 years in the u.s and um my brother kind of took over for him uh after after you passed away and he's been doing film reviews for for his whole career you know writing for different major newspapers and he published i don't know about 10 books at this point on different different people so and yeah and interestingly dean actually owns his wes anderson book what's the name of the book actually i think it's the wes anderson book yeah he's got a few he has one on the um the budapest hotel Can, um, I, can I critique it? Sure. The Budapest Hotel. I didn't no, write no, it, no, by no. the way. No, I know, I know. But the book itself, like Wes Anderson is so perfectly symmetrical and exquisite on detail. And then the book itself, nothing symmetrical. And it's like all over the place. And the design irritated the fuck out of me. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely went to art school. Yeah, yeah. That's true. It's like it's, there's no, you know, yeah. to Wes Anderson at all in the book. Yeah. Shout out to Matt. Well, I mean, the other side of it is, is that behind the scenes of this perfect thing that Wes Anderson produces is a whole lot of mess, you know, like scraps and pieces and all mm. that kind of stuff. So I guess that's part of it too, but yeah. <laughs> but that's the concept. Well, <laughs> so we, we actually had an evil plan to actually get Dean to bring the book and force you to sign fake your brother's signature. Oh, okay. Because, <laughs> okay, if I'm allowed to say it, I happen to know that uh the jeremy's brother uh through having a position of celebrity happened recently wrote an article about he revealed your entire family life to the world <laughs> without without telling you yeah well <laughs> it's interesting because uh my parents passed away last year and and my brother you know we had a crazy childhood and he um felt compelled to 
kind of go through the the pain of the tragedy by working it out in a very public forum. And he has like, I don't know, 80,000 Twitter followers who are very active. And um, he published like a five-part article about our family, including pictures of me. What? And then I read it afterwards and i was kind of like bro like you could have told me about this he was like oh i'm so sorry you know it's my childhood too i just (laughs) didn't think about it and um and then i had friends calling me from the u.s that i went to school with like you know high school friends college friends they're like dude i had no idea your childhood was so fucked up (laughs) (laughs) are you okay i'm like wow yeah what kind of what kind of stuff did you share that you weren't happy with uh oh i don't want to get into it it's heavy okay. heavy like stuff bathtub pictures no no it's more like you know drinking drugs all that kind of stuff that, that was happening yeah, it, was, yeah. It, was, it was pretty heavy it's not not exactly comedy material but, <laughs> it but sounds so, like the perfect comedy i'm surprised yeah. <laughs> i'm surprised you're not a comedian actually. Yeah, but, the, but the thing is i mean in a certain way like like dean christian and i have something in common with your brother of like publicly sharing their lives for the purpose of therapy well yes. just, like, dude, yeah, the comparison, the comparison is, is interesting harry but we just do it on a much smaller scale yeah <laughs> we would love to yeah. have like all yeah. his oh, i am a no. celebrity <laughs> but i think for my brother like um he's always been this kind of person who writes super personally he writes about you know the death of his wife and his own personal feelings about films and why and all that kind of stuff and it resonates with some people but unfortunately I'm part of that too. Yeah. <laughs> you got dragged into the, the that yeah, publicity exactly. somehow. Yeah. So so you know, uh yeah, that's a bit awkward to say the least. <laughs> mm. I, is it like he's allowed to share that stuff, I guess. Well, I guess so. I mean it was his story. But you mm-hmm. know, at the same point, if a celebrity uh, has their sister or brother write a tell-all book about them. Yeah. What are they going to do about it? Yeah. You know, and I'm on good terms with my brother. I was just kind of like shocked to have this all put out in the <laughs> yeah, open. Bit. Mm. But you, so it was more like he's he's so used to kind of oversharing it didn't occur to him. I think also he wanted to tell the story because he felt the story was so significant and interesting that he, he thought people should know about it. And he was planning it in his head for decades how you want to, to write about this, yeah. you know, only Just after waiting after, after people have died, die. do you feel it's okay to talk about <laughs> them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> so anyway, it was not an easy year last year. But you know, but it's in, Sorry, but, man. I mean, if you look at it in a certain way, it, it's like you're both you've both been very successful in your careers in in different spaces. You and it and him as a as a movie critic. Yeah. And so, long story short messed up family situation uh is that the secret for success <laughs> you know it does seem like every successful person that had some really suddenly have hope yeah <laughs> yeah well not that much pain. okay premise number one is that there are people out there who have a normal childhood i haven't met them everybody's got such a fucked up childhood it seems that's true uh the yeah. other side of it though is that um <laughs> If you grow up in a family where there's divorce and, and fighting and all this kind of stuff happening, you tend to get good at negotiating and getting agreements with people to align people. You learn that skill because you can't fucking survive as a kid without getting mom and dad to agree to let you do something or to, to you know, <laughs> avoid getting beaten or whatever the situation yeah. is. Yeah. And those skills actually are very useful in business because business is basically child abuse. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, yes. I'm going to put that on a fridge magnet. (laughs) Mm. 
That is amazing. <laughs> that goes straight to the corporate kitchen. It, it's funny, actually. Another example is, is a, a, a kind of a friend of ours, uh, a photographer, I'll blur it a little bit, who I know this person, I mean, I'm going to make it gender neutral, is uh, had a lot of issues with one of their parents when they were young, which made them as a photographer brilliant at making people feel comfortable. Like she, this, oh shit, this person's <laughs> empathy is, is on point and everyone feels relaxed. Really. And because you mean someone points a camera at you for a portrait. Uh, so, I mean, this comes to the conclusion that maybe we need to stop all forms of therapy because we're just <laughs> going to eliminate all these skills from the human race. I love people... how you jump to these sort of conclusions. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd be dead without therapy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. what, what fascinates me, though, about this assessment, uh, Jeremy, is the, 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 whole, the whole idea, the, the premise of the idyllic childhood is flawed in itself because you have to spend it with grown-ups. It's... It's just your your perception of what reality is as a child is so much different to the reality of a, of a grown up. Yeah, maybe, but also as grown ups, we emulate what we went through to a certain extent, whether we like it or not. And I think I think there's also a part of it that um, when people try to give their kids the perfect childhood, they actually fuck them up beyond belief. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and if they just try Failed to be sons. who they Look are, and yeah, it explains all of Switzerland, basically, yeah. like the no. whole... No, and this is true, like that whole nuclear family thing that goes on where it's like, you know, the kid has to be in soccer class and he's got to be at the top of his God. school and he's got to wear the right clothes and he's got to, you know, listen to, to the right music and all that stuff. And um, these <laughs> expectations are so heavy that I see more and more kids, like in my neighborhood, so many kids are like in clinics and in therapy and yeah, stuff breaking like that. Apart completely. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. I feel like the current generation is just unbelievably fucked up to the point where it's like back to 1968 in terms of, you know, uh, yeah, the freedom society. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and, that, and that's why, perhaps that's why I'm letting my son develop his own marijuana farm and, uh, he's going to be out on the streets. <laughs> dealing. Just, uh, let him do that sounds more easy. like a retirement policy. Actually. <laughs> exactly. He's an entrepreneur. Well, no, yeah. You're teaching him capitalism from a very young it's age. Fine. It's great. Representing so. the younger generation though, and being in therapy next to all these kids with the perfect childhood. I'm like, I go suffer from neglect a lot. <laughs> We're the same. You know the same kind yeah. of fucked up. So, yeah. but you you realize that um, neglect can come in in very different forms as well. <laughs> like if if you're coming from that sort of family as well, then neglect can can come in in um, yeah in, in, in very subtle ways. Where when there when there is this sort of pressure, and you give your child everything that you think they need, but actually not listening, that's a sort of neglect as well. Yeah, because you're basically just moving all your expectations onto that child without ever really listening and sitting down with that person so. i think i think i mean with jeremy and i both dads the short version is is you're gonna fuck up your kids no matter what like you can't yeah but no also your what? kids your kids are supposed to be interesting at the age of 30 so they need to be a little bit fucked up yeah it's also it's just about removing the blame from from you yeah <laughs> it's I your mean, mother <laughs> something my wife and i talk about a lot is the way that we approach raising our daughter is um it's like we're living in a vegay together mm -hmm. and she's just like a roommate who's way too young to be living here and doesn't know anything so we kind of have to like help her along so she doesn't get in trouble <laughs> but we're that's basically roommates you know yeah. like that's that's kind of the approach so she to pays it. rent and stuff <laughs> No, but that's a great idea. <laughs> we should explore that. Yeah. 
we're, we're actually using a credit system. So when she, she leaves the house, she's going to owe us a ridiculous amount of money. <laughs> oh, it's been like the U.S. Uh, education system that yeah, you're exactly. emulating there. It's That's like amazing. student loans, yeah, yeah. except yeah. it's like child loans. You, know? <laughs> you, you were born and now you owe us money. Pay for your born into slavery. Yeah. God damn it. This, is, you, this needs to happen. Holy shit. No, it like, doesn't. We're already enough debt, Harry. Do you know, but do you know, like they say, uh, what is it? It's something like uh, raising a kid costs about a million if you want to do. No, I'm, I'm sure Betsy DeVos is starting a fund very soon where you can, can basically <laughs> offset your child credit. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, you decided to orgasm, not the kid. <laughs> wow. It's your fucking fault. Yeah. Don't do comes inside other people. That's, yeah. that's the rule. <laughs> I'm going to spend a million francs on a kid. You orgasmed. Okay, fair enough. Get out of here. It was worth it. <laughs> you made the it was, mistake. It was a good time. Yeah. <laughs> For 10 seconds. And I, I, yes, it was it was it was worth sense. a million francs. I'm sorry. <laughs> so on the other side of the spectrum, when I was growing up, I actually generated revenue for my parents because I was I, they put me into the position of being like a child actor. And okay. I was doing what TV, for, for TV KFC spots. Or? Or, no, no, I did a, I did <laughs> a commercial for Burger King actually when Wait. I was no like way. eight years old. Yes, it's true. And um, do you remember the line? Is it still on yes. YouTube? Make awesome. it fresh. Make it lean. Make it great <laughs> with everything. Pickles, tomatoes, more than one slice. A toasted bun would sure be nice. <laughs> How much did you get paid for wow. that? Well, amazing. I don't know because it went right into my mom's drug fund. So yeah. <laughs> I didn't get any of it, but I did a, a, a short film, some Christian film that was, it's, I still have on DVD. It's really disturbing. It's like some kid, uh, yeah, it's called a father, a son and a three mile run. It was like this Christian movie made in Texas by some mega church or something. And I got paid, I don't know, some thousands of bucks to waste my summer remembering lines about the Bible. And uh, then I ended up in some photo shoots for disabled people. It was, it was <laughs> really wait, 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 wait. Were, were you the able kid or did yeah, you have no, to pretend was, to be disabled? I, I was pushing the grandmother in the chair. <laughs> you know, that was to show yeah. things. So, That's and, funny. you know, radio commercials, refrigerators, all this kind of stuff. And my mom was oh, in, the, in the radio business. She was doing jingles or, or advertisements in the 70s and 80s. And, um, you know, she was like, hey, my kids... They have pretty good voices. You know, maybe mm -hmm. we can make something out of I this. I can exploit these yeah, guys. Yeah, she talked to her agents, and pretty soon we were in the studio. And hands we were, were not we were working. The hands were not big enough to build iPhones or, uh, well, at the time, Nintendos or whatever that yeah. was. Yeah. So, Jesus, but used to voices. Have you, have you watched The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel yet? No, but I've heard should. I should. Oh, okay. Because yeah. they have the, they, part of what she does is he's doing these jingles and stuff. Mm. But yeah. so you grew up like, Houston or Texas or where? Dallas. Dallas. Dallas, Dallas. Dallas Texas. God now, one thing, a conversation we had in the past, which I thought was fascinating, is we were talking about TV series that we used to watch as a kid. And I think you used to watch the Python stuff a lot. Like, was it, or you, no, there was some things that you watched that were English TV. Oh, yeah, the Monty Python. Uh, well, okay. Interesting point. Um, uh, it was... Um, the radio, the television station in Dallas, um, I'm trying to remember the name of it. Something with K. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can't even, I, I'm, three K's. I'm spacing right now. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> it's Texas. Welcome Come back on. to KKK TV channel. <laughs> <laughs> Today we're going to kill. KRST, Christ God television. Oh, oh yes. God. Yes. Yeah. 
Jesus. Uh, anyway, <laughs> no, but it was... Um, Saved by the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Touch this, the hand this, of God. This television station, public, public television station in Dallas was one of the first ones in all of America to import British comedy and, and sci-fi. So every Saturday night, they would do a lineup with like, you know, Monty Python, and then it was Doctor Who, and and they had a bunch of different shows on. And um, Did they show The Life of Brian? <laughs> Uh, at one point, yes. <laughs> that, would be, that, that would be disturbing Holy in Texas, shit. I guess. And you have to remember, this is like, we're talking 1978 through yeah. 1980, something God, like Reagan that. Years. Nobody knew any of this stuff. And like a whole generation, my generation in North Texas was exposed to this great <laughs> stuff. Suddenly like, there was culture. Yeah, <laughs> suddenly there was culture. Hats. And, you know, we're, as kids, we're playing, you know, as the knight who says knee and all that kind of stuff. And, <laughs> and um, this was this was extraordinary in North Texas to have this happening. So, mm. And to me, what's fascinating about this is that that represented a kind of a cultural liberation for you. Me growing up in England, there's just like Monty Python everywhere and this kind of shit. To me, what was cultural liberation the Dukes of Hazard. I watched that too. <laughs> yes. It but was you, horrible. I loved it. Because it was just from like growing up in England where it's like rain and misery and everyone's like, eh. like the ridiculous Beige food. The, the lightheartedness of yeah. Dukes of Hazard and yeah. Daisy Duke. And in of retrospect, it's just a, a Trump commercial now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wow. It's, it's yeah. insane. But, but weirdly, and for everyone I knew that, like the Dukes of Hazard was was represented. Li we all bought these fucking plastic sets with the General Lee that you could shoot yeah. it over a brick plastic brick. And wall. you wore Daisy Dukes. I, I wore Daisy Dukes. <laughs> what? What did Daisy do? <laughs> the short shorts. <laughs> God damn! Tell you what happened to Daisy Dukes. Daisy Dukes. Were these yeah. the ones where the ass cheeks were slightly out? Yeah, that yeah, was, a, that nice. was the beginning of a revolution. Yeah, mm -hmm. little yeah. did we know. <laughs> I just had Sesame Street and Zulu had. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is this real? Sesame Street and Zulu was yeah. that a thing? Yeah, yeah, they did. They changed the language at some point. That is amazing. How did they do the Swedish Chef? Uh, I have no idea. I can't remember. They probably made it black or something. Can you, can you do any character like Kermit the Frog or no, no, no? Because they just got random voice actors. I can do Kermit the Frog. Holy <laughs> fuck! One of my, this is my special voice. Yes, absolutely. No way! Dude. Fucking hell! I spent most of my childhood imitating Frank Oz. <laughs> <laughs> You really are a traumatized child. So. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. But yeah. holy shit. Okay, I'm going to blow. We talked about it on a, another episode. I've got to send you this dude who's got a Kermit hand puppet. His impression is not as good as yours. Oh, really? He's making massive views on YouTube yeah. by on Omegle. He has the Kermit at the front. And then uh. he had, pulls up a, a cucumber. Like to show a, a green dick to people, on, and it's this thing is exploding. Wow, I'm so glad I have an actual job. Yeah. <laughs> this could have been you could have started an OnlyFans page. You, is it just Kermit? Are there any other impressions from the the, um, the Sesame Street? He does that Burger King kid really well. Yeah, the Burger King kid is just just I so can, natural. I don't know. I, I can feel with like uh, if, if we put a rail down, you can do an Alex Jones quite nicely. Oh no, I don't. I don't really watch that. I can't handle it. I mean, maybe ten seconds, and then I'm like, okay, that's enough. So you're a liberal but, pussy. But, yeah, exactly. But growing and up proudly, growing up in Dallas, um, but your your parents were uh, uh, from a very different 
culture as such. They, they were not Texans. They, no. they moved there. They moved there to capitalize on the oil industry having brought huge money into Texas in the 1970s, which also brought jazz clubs and entertainment. And then the uh, advertising industry exploded in Texas because it used to be that mm. everything was done on Madison Avenue or in Los Angeles. And suddenly Dallas became the alternative place to get uh, radio IDs, uh, radio commercials done, things like that. Wow. Because the uh, West Coast and East Coast, they were becoming formulaic. And a lot of the creative musicians and writers and things like that ended up gravitating towards Dallas because there was so much work in the entertainment industry there. You had the Bloom Agency, a lot of big ad agencies that kicked off the whole, a whole new generation of advertising that was more um, yeah. this is how Chuck cutting Norris edge, cutting edge stuff, you know. Is that what? Is this how Chuck Norris came around? I don't know. Maybe. That's very it must I be. Think well, well Arthur Anderson came around there. Uh, but this is a message of hope for Switzerland because, you know, the U.S. has become so formulaic in their comedy and the new comedy is going to come from this scene. It's quite a big statement. At this table. No, no. I, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> well, glad you're using this to not bitch about Switzerland. But let's bitch about Switzerland for a little bit. So um, you move from... Dallas to New York, which is already culturally, I would assume, a massive shift. Yes. I mean, technically, I went to school in New Orleans, then I went to Pittsburgh, no. and then I ended up in New York. So it was like, you know, roundabout. That's, but yes. that, that's a very in interesting move from industri industrial town to industrial town yeah. to liberty, really. Yeah. <laughs> You've seen okay. the whole spectrum of, of uh, right-wing Democrat to <laughs> liberal blue, you know? Yes. No, You've seen I the mean, Rust Belt from Texas and Louisiana versus, you know, Pittsburgh and New York. That's pretty extreme. Yeah, um, that's so, a wild one. Yeah, that's a wild that was ride. interesting. Um, and then uh, you come to a tiny little Switzerland. Yes. Um, how old are you when you when you moved to Switzerland? I guess I was 34, 35, something like that. Did you know anything about Switzerland? You knew that Stockholm was the main city? Or <laughs> yeah, yeah, I knew it was, uh, they had a lot of snow and they hosted the Olympics. No, it was, um, I mean, I, I married my wife uh, long before moving to Switzerland. She's and a Swiss? Well, she was born in Croatia, but she's she's a Swiss citizen. You know, yeah. she spent her, most of her childhood, all of it in Switzerland. So she's very Swiss. Um, and she was, you know, talking a lot about it. And I had visited, and, you know, visited a couple of times. So it wasn't completely foreign to me, but I didn't know shit about Europe until I met her. You know, I, yeah. I had all these silly assumptions and mm, standard American stuff. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I, I literally didn't know anything about switzerland croatia anything else they don't teach you that in america you know they just say oh that's europe you know here's <laughs> okay let's move on <laughs> um, it's just full of concentration camps yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> there, there, there's europe bank secrecy chocolate concentration yeah. camps that's asia this is where rice comes from let's talk right. about rocky now <laughs> yeah <laughs> well we had an entire course on texas history in texas we didn't learn anything about european or, or world history but we learned about texas history mm. wow. uh, do, do, do you want do you want to talk about the bowie knife for a second shall, shall we really. go into that yeah. <laughs> Remember, remember the Alamo, please. Remember the Alamo, yeah. indeed, yeah. When a bunch of cowards got slaughtered. So <laughs> <laughs> them, them fighting words. <laughs> oh, man. So, I mean, it's basically a tale. It's, it, this is how Switzerland gets diverse. Is I mean, I think I've realized that in retrospect, I'm an exception to the rule of, of people coming to Switzerland. 
because most people marry their way into Switzerland. Yeah, but it's good for our gene pool because otherwise we would be all small mountain mm. goats um, <laughs> fucking <laughs> each other's brothers. Yes, yeah, you are. You know exactly. <laughs> when you reach a point where like the only people you can fuck is a cousin. <laughs> then you go to another country and point ah, brings four generations. Yeah. True. Why do you think I'm so tall, Harry? <laughs> <laughs> Your blue eyes are beautiful. There's some freshening happening at one point. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah. It's made you intelligent. I, I bet some Sturmbahnführer moved to Switzerland during the war, and this is me now. Uh, but so thank god for italians you, but what do you so i mean i know the answer to this question but i'm going to pretend i don't know so when you came to great radio harry you're mm. so wow yeah because i feel i'm Very all about honestly i can't go so what were you doing when you arrived in switzerland like professionally career-wise you could have just done that uh i guess pressing keys on a keyboard <laughs> no i i was um I spent a long time as uh, like kind of an entrepreneur. Actually, I never had a, an actual job from the age of like 26 until I was, I don't know, almost 38. So something like 12, 13 years, I didn't have a job. I was just doing freelance contracting, startups, all these different ideas. Mm. And um, Wait, I so just worked for myself. So you did, you were an entrepreneur before every douchebag did that on Instagram. Yeah, pretty much. That pretty is, much. Is, is so. You're where the internet starts when when you came to Switzerland. This is a very personal question. Did you have the the feeling that um, everything is like five or ten years behind the curve from what you felt already? At the time, seen? yeah, because I went from having a high speed cable modem to having a dial up connection. <laughs> nice. <laughs> At the time, it was it was pretty uh, pretty piss poor. This was this was still 2006 when there wasn't much excuse for not having great internet. Yeah. Um, but the other thing was, is, you know, first culture class I had, I was in New York where I was used to going into a coffee shop and saying, Hey, I'm working on an iOS application. I'm having a problem with UI kit. Does anybody here? And then three hands would come up and they're like, Oh yeah, come over here. I'll show you. I'll show Wait, you how to do this. This Is this real? Yeah. This is how New York was. Everybody was working for themselves, doing projects, doing internet stuff. They're hanging out in the coffee shops. They're all the mingling. Simple. They're helping each other. It was, it was really that climate. And then I came to Switzerland and I went to like a, a, a nerd meetup that I found on meetup.com and I pulled out my laptop. I'm like, hey, let me show you this project I'm working on. They're like, what are you doing, man? This is after work. We're mm. hanging out. This is this is not work time. <laughs> Put your laptop away. Yeah. I'm like, this is a goddamn computer meetup. Don't you want to talk about computers? No, we're meeting up to talk to each other and get to know each other. You know, it was like they were yeah. literally offended. I wanted to talk about code at a computer meetup. Was that, was that the Rails hook? Or? Maybe. Yeah. It's like... <laughs> It's Free like you, rails, yeah. pussies. <laughs> like here you go into a coffee shop and the barista ignores you, you know? Yeah. Because yeah. it, it's a funny thing because I had a similar, when I came here, uh, like rails wasn't the hype. So we're getting nerdy for a second. But I, with, together with a guy, PHP was a thing back then. And we created this thing called Web Tuesday. Which mm -hmm. was um, the, like, like I think it was. The, I had Taco Tuesday. <laughs> I think it was. So it was a Swiss guy meet, and I think it was the first free regular meetup in in Zurich uh, for nerds. And and the the fascinating thing for me about this is all that five of you met. No, <laughs> this I mean, got, it got a lot of traction. There were sometimes yeah six or seven people there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We we doubled our numbers exactly. <laughs> No, no, yeah, it would fill a room. No, we got some of those were some of those were were bigger than a comedy show. Like there was like 
uh, bigger than a comedy show a the free type, one the sort that we do yeah a bigger than a free comedy show and and the funny thing was is what, what I noticed back in that time that is, nothing was funny that you were talking about I'm sorry I stopped that no yeah, you're being the, the guy bullying the nerds of the yeah, high school exactly. is, but the, the, I'm gonna but give you a wedgie figured, any second now what I figured about the Swiss attitude is that everyone is so concerned with not telling anybody not sh not being seen to be showing off so you're like i'm not going to tell anyone about what i'm doing because that's showing off and it needed foreigners to actually bring people together and go like why the fuck would you not like dude what you're doing is freaking amazing like and then and then they started to relax and they started to get a few more internationals at these meetups and then it started to take off at last. I want to get into this a little bit because th this fascinates me. Um, I would even go one step further than uh, it's not about not showing off. It's actually about this weird notion of privacy. So you, I'm not sure how you guys are experiencing this, but it seems to be very ingrained in the Swiss psyche um, that you have privacy at all times in everything that you do. It starts with your finances. Um, no one talks about salary anywhere, blah, 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 all that sort of bullshit. Oh, of course we do, but you know, not officially. Um, <laughs> bankers. But, but also um, in, in work, I find in Swiss culture, silos much more common than in other, uh, in other groups. So as soon as you start bringing in um, other cultures in, in the various different teams, suddenly doors open up that it, the Swissies amongst themselves wouldn't have figured out. Mm -hmm. And again, I can I can talk to that in terms of a Swiss perspective. It's just, to, to me, this is fascinating. It, it, it's, not, it's not so much just about showing off. It's also about keeping your cards close to the chest. Maybe, yeah. Maybe this, yeah. Yeah, I think there's a component to that. I, I think also the big barrier is that people are generally shy and um, they feel like, intimidated to show what they're working on because they're afraid to be judged they don't like to put themselves in a situation to be judged you know oh yeah that's a yeah absolutely what why do you think that is do, have you have you experienced um, enough that you could say like there there is reasons for this that you can see well it i don't know I and mean, it's just maybe it's a pattern that i see with um swiss people that i work with or i'm close to is they um there's a sense that everybody is an individual and, and the privacy thing you mentioned, I think, plays into strongly that. But I don't think it's because they don't want anyone to know what they're doing or they feel like they want to want to remain anonymous. I think it's more that they don't want to put themselves in a position where they are expected to show what is the right way to do something or to tell everybody else what to do. That doesn't seem very... Because of a blame culture kind of thing. Or maybe it's more of a... a humility you know that that don't you don't be the dick who stands up in the room and says like hey everybody this, this is what you're supposed doing. to do yeah that's offensive and something i read interestingly was um american companies have trouble in switzerland and australia because often when people are introduced in a business meeting um in america you would go into the meeting and say this is john he's executive vice president of sales for the northern region he's generated 400 million in revenue blah 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 in Switzerland and Australia, they'd introduce the person and say, this is Bob. <laughs> yeah. You have no, no idea who the person is. Yeah. And they don't feel like you don't flatter people publicly because it's embarrassing. Yeah. And you don't um, flaunt your accomplishments in a way because it's kind that of would embarrassing. Be perverse, yeah. yeah, exactly. It's it's considered rude or, or it's gross, yeah. you know? So they, it's they, like they, driving they kind of, a yellow car. Yeah. 
Yeah. Wait, yeah, I, everything has to be gray, black, or yeah, silver. Yeah, exactly. Because why would you want to draw attention to yourself? Yeah. That's that's, that's and, so embarrassing. And I mean, to me, to me, I've often seen that my role in things that I've done in in this context is to be like a kind of a lightning rod or kind of a fluffer for Swiss people. You use the term rod and fluffer in one sentence. <laughs> exactly. Harry. Because, Fuck you. Because I mean, I mean, Jeremy knows me from having done this in the past. Is like from fluffing. No, <laughs> so things we've done. This is when he was a child star. Yeah. We've done a few hackathons together, and uh, like back in the days, I used to code. My, I'm just ignoring your bullshit, guys. You just go to amuse yourselves. Um, I'm, I'm lining up so much material right now. <laughs> but but the thing is, is it, I mean, I set it up with fluffer. But the point is, the point is, is like you and when days i used code i'd be actually taking part in the hackathon eventually i started to be more like a somewhere sort of moderator slash psyching people up and one thing that annoys me uh is how badly swiss people actually present their work like and engineers in general do this badly but but i remember a time where i had people like in startups pitching and and you just like beginning with this long-winded kind of apology thing and it's just like dudes time is money just fucking tell me the thing you're doing like bam and 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 the same for engineers so i would come with and more and more i started to have this attitude of like of kind of just giving people a hard time they say well I, I mean yeah you know you know this thing but what i realized is that there's a role for foreigners the to animate swiss people in this country and it's 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 bizarre because there's some insanely talented people in this country yeah it's really true actually a lot of really talented technical people are held back by the fact that they're just unable to talk about what they're doing yeah and it's not that you have to brag or market yourself, but you actually just need to be able to like, yeah, reach other people and share stuff. And and if you can't get over that hump, that's one of the main things I feel like I have to do in my job is help people actually with not their technical skills, but their social skills. Yeah. 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 I, re I remember this one event in, in Bern. There was so someone that we both know, very talented engineer who gave 40 minutes of the most boring talk ever and like the crowd and it was a conference the crowd is like dying and then at the end of this it's like and so that's how this robot works and if you open your mobile phone you can send instructions to the robot as a crowd and we can see what it does and the room changed like like and the, more or less you could have the whole why, why the Fuck, would you not show us this thing from the beginning yeah, yeah. to to get us interested in the, your whole boring presentation? So, no, but I have to show you how the sausage is made first. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But this is a good example of why the YouTube algorithm is teaching a future generation how to communicate better because, you know, you're ah, not going to get any views if you take 40 minutes to get to the point and then you show the cool thing. You start with the cool thing. And, yes. you know, we're living in an algorithmic world. So I think I think uh, people maybe naturally we should apply that to our, our businesses and social relationships, you know, like you're, you're talking to a new person <laughs> yeah, and two uh, minutes into it. You're like, OK, how, how do you, you bring close that? It? How do you bring that to dating? Um, I would have gotten my divorce three years earlier. <laughs> yeah. yeah but okay augmented you reality maybe? I mean, you, we've had speed dating i've got a theory that the the first question you should ask on a date is what is the worst thing you've ever done 
that's like first date, first question. And what if they say this? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Nice. <Ba-dum. laughs> but, <laughs> so anyway, back to me. <laughs> yeah, but because you just say something like, if they're like, yeah, I, I don't know, kill the child or whatever. Like you're like, okay. That Do was I nice. want to be with a child murderer? Maybe. let's see how they finger Maybe. <laughs> yeah. yeah and what if they say like i stole a dollar you know you're like oh, oh. yeah then you walk away boy then you know yeah. you're with a liar yeah and you fucking leave hmm. like someone who has the guts to tell you honestly what's a terrible thing to do is a mature human being that might you might want to spend time with that's exactly why i think that's a great on question. the other hand would you want to date someone who asks that as their first question <laughs> Or would Compared you think that dates. person's a psychopath? <laughs> mm. <What laughs> yeah, were, yeah, okay. What yeah. were the worst conversations that you had seen with someone that you met over over? Look, anyone us? who says anything fun and exciting is worth going on a date with, no? Because people here are good, but pretty boring. Well, th- that's exactly it. So you've experienced the boring, yeah, yeah, the turbo boring, yeah. So everything is like the whole life is beige um and it's just yeah nothing nothing is happening what's what's the worst conversation that that they start with like i'm yeah they didn't start with a weird conversation i remember one interesting date after quite a bunch of boring ones where um somebody who worked at google came to the comedy show because i would use that as a pick-me-up same as harry you know you find it to your comedy wait, show. Wait, don't deflect blame by saying same as Harry. You it's take the your, same thing. I got the idea from you, motherfuckers. <laughs> I own it. Like, that's what I do. Right, Holy shit. Own it. Own it, I'm honestly. doing that right okay, now. Okay, good. good. <laughs> All right, go ahead. So, uh, Google it. No, sure. This person, um, Google engineer. So, expected to be boring already, you know, but they were quite exciting in the way that on the dates after I bombed really hard, decided to watch the football and proceeded to kind of smack me in the nuts during a goal. What? Yeah. So I was like, this is the exact kind of abuse I'm looking for <laughs> in a relationship. Were they into pain things? <laughs> like I was after that. <laughs> like, oh, I didn't know that about me. And I just and did that's a little cut. At least I felt something, goddammit. <laughs> and that's what it takes to get ahead at Google. Punch <laughs> <laughs> someone in the dick. You've got to whack ahead. people in the balls. Yeah, did get... you ever read, by the way, on... Have you heard of this guy, Andy Rubin, who's the creator of Android? Yeah. Did you ever read up on the whole sexual scandal around that guy it was fucking insane like like and this actually triggered google walkouts just (laughs) like and it just seems like google the don't be what's that app google walkouts (laughs) but it was a nice attempt uh, but andy so the fucking andy rubin so his wife him and his wife having an acrimonious divorce she tells the press that he has into big words tonight what does acrimonious actually mean like bitter angry i didn't know that thank you so they're both execs at google and andy rubin is the head of android and she tells the press that he has a slave who works at Google. And and the story was, is that someone lower down the hierarchy was his sex slave and also like working technically for him. What? And did and he actually pay this person? No, uh, it's a slave. Yeah, but that's what I'm checking. And and the court, <laughs> so the court, standard Google you don't employee pay slaves. Don't, don't you know how slavery works? Let's talk to Mr. Texas here a little bit. <laughs> and the quote from his wife was that he said to the slave, 
and I will be able to rent you out to people that I want to. Is it is it a signed contract? No, that okay. So that came from his wife. Maybe he thought she was an Android phone. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> he fires yeah, back. 12 years of slave was actually about Android. Yeah. yeah. He fires yeah. back at his wife, who had been having a dominant submissive relationship with a woman who also worked at Google. That's fine. It's so, better than sex slave. But they're, and they're married. The whole thing is a fucking shit show. It's like, how did it's your really sex weird. lives at, super weird. Yeah, get so fucking complicated? Just Google it. And that your executives at <laughs> Google. Somebody had to. Yeah, okay. Nice. Good. Nice. <laughs> you have to turn on safe search first, though. <laughs> no, I feel lucky, man. All right, all right. <laughs> Japanese porn, I feel lucky. <laughs> but there's that meme. It's like there's so much bad shit happening in the US, it's almost as if it's built on an ancient burial ground. <laughs> maybe yeah. the entire US is a burial ground. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> So anyway, but but the same can be said about Switzerland in 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 a way as well. Like when you think about it, there was there was some war shit happening for hundreds of years. Civil um, war vibes, right? Well, not not just that. Those damn Swiss Germans, <laughs> couple Swiss of kingdoms French. that thought. Like <laughs> my my favorite my favorite thing about Switzerland is uh, the last time we had terrorism uh, was in the seventies um, when a canton got founded this is the last canton that got added to to switzerland it's the continent of Jura. yeah and um they blew up a, con a bunch of cars and burn and stuff that's right it's yeah. the last time we, we and this is literally a secession movement yeah um of, of what happened also it, it happened in in a, in a place where there's only like 12 families living but they, they were just like yeah now we have to be our own thing and seceding from Bern. so the, the canton of Bern was at one point the largest canton in switzerland and there's heaps of little places that seceded from it so canton de vaux fribourg um all these places used to be canton of Bern. Hmm. so there was a lot of these little secession wars but it, there is the scale of it is tiny so it's always a couple of hundred people that are involved it's not these massive slaughters but over time that kind of accumulates I got, I got a prediction for you we're gonna have soon the canton of google because apparently google employs one percent of the people in zurich by now what? like if you is if that real yeah, so they have something like, uh, I mean, if you count, if the official number of the population of Zurich, if you don't count all the bits around, is what, 300,000? Something like that. And the people actually working is, I don't know, maybe 100,000 or something. And Google's got about 10,000 employees. Yeah, that checks out. So that's 1%. But anyway, so the other thing the other thing we, we got you on for, Jeremy, is uh, we were talking, I don't know, three four weeks ago uh and and you pitched me a genius idea that i thought was fantastic you were like is this an idea and i thought this is really a fucking idea yes. about, about this it's uh, a dating yeah. app All right. okay so you want me to explain it now take, take a breath <laughs> okay so uh yeah <laughs> Basically, sorry harry you made this feel forced like a shit after red wine yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> My idea was to start a taco truck, but instead of selling tacos, you're actually selling like human feces. <laughs> <laughs> Very brilliant idea. Because yeah. 
the people that are into that fetish, they're going to run wild for that trip. It's also technically vegetarian. <laughs> exactly. I think, exactly. I think you would have a big market in Germany. So there's there's adjacent <laughs> markets we can get to. Dean looks so confused. <laughs> what? Yeah, what the hell are you guys talking about? No, no, Wait, sorry. Do, do, if you eat cow, like you eat burger... What comes out of your ass? Is that then vegetarian? That's an interesting... That's not well, vegetarian. It's no longer cow. Yeah, exactly. It's no longer vegetarian either. And if you And if you dropped it in a field to feed some plants, then those plants yeah, would those be plants vegetarian. Those shit. Is what kind of... <laughs> sick mind. asking the wrong questions here. <laughs> yeah. Who the no. fuck eats shit, though? Well, there's, you, there's this video consumption I share with you. <laughs> Two girls, one cup is not educational. <laughs> and it's definitely not vegetarian. No. no it maybe. was just ice cream, guys. Like, we all know yeah, this. Yeah, that's what they say. Yeah, ice cream. Okay. So, all right, so. so context, first of all, like, like uh, maybe I'll make it a bit easier for you. So you and your bro, Matt. Matt, yeah. Matt the uh, the leaker of family secrets. The writer. The writer. He's a writer. I, I, I know that you you and your brother have a good relationship. I somehow I want to dislike Matt until I meet him and I find out he's super cool yeah, and get I don't a better designer for I, the And then I don't want to know you anymore because your brother Matt is so cool. Like, <laughs> but, but, but you guys made a movie before. Yeah, we did. We did. We spent like a year and a half making a feature film and uh What's was, the name of it? It was a film called Home. It's a super original title and great, oh, great Google, Google uh, rank. <laughs> page rank, yeah. <laughs> it's oh. really good. But, um, and it also, we made it at a time when um, film was too expensive and digital video was just coming out, but high definition was unaffordable. A high definition camera was like $120,000 at the time. Yeah, so yeah. we're talking about like 2005 or something like that. Right. So we were in this awkward time where people were still making traditional movies and uh, we wanted to make something and possibly release it to the internet, but we didn't know how. So we shot it on, on just standard definition digital video at the time. And um, he wrote it and got a bunch of really good actors in Brooklyn to work on it. I did the sound, um, a lot of the like technical work, color correction, editing. <laughs> I mean, it was... Even mm -hmm. raising money, the fundraising, you know, doing the website, like everything, uh, automatic dialogue replacement. We had to loop a bunch of lines because some of the, the recorded stuff was not, not good enough. And it was this labor of love. And in the end, um, we ended up doing the festival circuit and we won some awards. Um, but it still didn't really make any money. You know, like a lot of films you, you, Went pick up a few awards at regional film festivals, but if you're not winning Sundance or Cannes, then forget about it. And then to make matters even worse, it was unreleasable for the theaters because it's shot on digital video. Oh, and oh. now it's like it's kind of low res and it looks it looks good still. It's very well produced. It's just you know not in super high def, but it it has this kind of nice nice feeling to it. So I'm encouraging him to release it, but being the annoying fucking perfect perfectionist that he is he's like oh we need to recut it i'm like no come on this is not star wars man a lot of people like that book fucking no <laughs> what because the pages weren't balanced it's the right way and it's, i mean it's not did he even watch did, a wes anderson film but, but anyway. the, the, the film is now sitting 
uh, pretty on whatever hard drive there is. Well, yeah. it was released to DVD, and <laughs> it was at one point available on Netflix when Netflix was not streaming but shipping DVDs. <laughs> nice. What, what's that? Well, that's great. Like, what, what's yeah. that? The, the short... you, you basically had the same career as Nick Cage. Yeah. <laughs> sure. And what's the what's the short synopsis of the the like home? Like what's it? It's a bunch of people who are friends who have a party in the summer at a house in Brooklyn. Wait, and, um, do they have really big apartments and they always go to each other's uh, apartments? Yeah. No, no sorry. No. It's, it's, <laughs> that's, pretty, that's the it's pretty version. small apartment. It's more that, um, yeah, some one couple's breaking up, another couple's getting together. Um, there's some existential kind of segues in it. Uh, it's just kind of like one of these Robert Altman pieces, you know, but like the, a moment in time. Wow. But this is, so this is before all these movies like L.A. Crash were made, but but it was, you you preceded that because there was a wave where it was just like you'd have, I don't know, like 10 different people in a movie with their own storyline and then you'd make one movie out of it. Yeah, it's a bunch of characters who come together and the dynamics between them and yeah, that's pretty much it. It's like Guy Ritchie without the explosions yeah there were no explosions in it unfortunately shout out to brooklyn all right so you want to make a comeback into the uh the the what should we say the story making business on youtube too right well i mean that's up to my brother but what i was actually realizing was it's been 10 years since i worked on a production film and during that time i did some other like indie work for other people you know either sound recording or post-production stuff and I, I, at the time, I decided I didn't want to be in the computer business anymore because the internet was such a horrible, dirty business. <laughs> I was so sick yeah, and tired of, since you know, yeah, all these fucking charlatans comments. coming in and saying, oh, I want to make a website to sell, you know, baby doctor clothes. And I was like, oh, Jesus oh, Christ, go fuck yourself. And uh, <laughs> so I decided to do art. I was like, come on, let's make some real art. And uh, so I started working on independent film and documentaries and things like that. Anyway, long story short, I missed that. And what I missed about it was the whole production of you get a bunch of people together. And unlike the software industry where you can all sit around talking about shit but not do anything, in film, (laughs) you actually have equipment that shows up. You have actors that show up. Everybody's on contract. You have to get everything done on that day. And there's a high pressure to actually prepare and make it work well. Yeah. And the director cannot tell everybody to the detail what they have to do they've got to create the right environment and somehow that creative environment of making a film with other people is more rewarding to me than yeah having to or i don't know yeah, negotiate with a bunch of software teams and product managers about or, what you're going to build or yeah, a podcast yeah, yeah. or a podcast <laughs> <laughs> especially this podcast <laughs> where, there, where there's absolutely no plan and no revenue stream <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> But no, I, I, so my thought was, I was sex workers. I was thinking about what's, (laughs) (laughs) oh shit, that was too true. right? (laughs) Are you getting paid for that Dean? Like I do sometimes. Wow. Um, I I understand that we are really, really big in Japan. (laughs) Okay. literally (laughs) and yeah okay cool so it's the it's the process the like different kind of creative dynamic yeah and so what i was thinking about specifically was i like this genre where it's not completely fictional but it's partly documentary and partly real so you work with people that have a real profession and you follow them but they are maybe playing out 
characters. And so you get that reality yeah, that, yeah. that you're not completely inventing it, but at the same time, you know, peep show. Peep show, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was so creepy and weird and fun, but it was very real. So something like peep show. Kind of. It, a bit of reality, but maybe... So the thought I had was, I was thinking about comedy. And it's a very tragic topic, but... <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know, yeah. The commodity in comedy is the material, right? Yeah. So it's it's the jokes <laughs> for some people. Yeah. And yeah, some yeah. people some. are great at being comedians and getting on stage, but they don't have good material. And other people have great material, but they're terrible on stage. Yep. Yes. And those people <laughs> sometimes like gravitate into the direction where they start realizing they can make money by writing material for other people. But if you're a comedian and you buy someone's material, you're basically a fraud. So this yep. creates a really nice setup in which you could have somebody who's like you know, writing material. And then I was thinking about something that happened to me back when I was a freelancer, when I mistakenly sold the same code and project to two different people and they found out about it. Well, it seemed like it was profitable. It's a smart idea. They were very similar, yeah. but, um, I was thinking about what if what if somebody who was writing material for a comedian and making success with it decided to also sell that to someone else who they're thinking, well, they're in a different town, they're in a different city, whatever, and then suddenly they come here. And it's then, like it's like Kevin Hart and Trevor Noah, you know. <laughs> you, you hate them so much. <laughs> like imagine if you're watching somebody go on stage and they're performing what you thought was your material and the guy who like helped you build it you realize that they had sold it to someone else and um that was kind of where that idea started and then i was pitching to harry this idea of like wouldn't it be interesting to get together with some comedians and actually do something that looked at the world of comedy and i was thinking back scorsese years ago did a film i think it was called the king of comedy yeah. And there have been very few films about comedians. You mentioned another one that I hadn't seen that was more recent. I can't remember the name of it. But this, the weird one is actually, and this is very confusing, Robert De Niro was in... That the, was a great film. Was in... Uh, King of Comedy. King of Comedy. Yeah. And then he was in The Comedian many years later, mm, which, yeah. is, which was a great movie as well. And we, we, and yeah, I mean, you're you're right. Like, but the the breaking the fourth wall of comedy doesn't happen very often. No. Comedians are usually employed to be in films. Yes, yeah, like Bill Burr in Star Wars, and they usually play like donkeys or other characters. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> yeah, Bill just, Burr in Star Wars. And yeah. Bill Burr, sorry, just a quick side. It ruined Bill Burr for me because he had to run down a corridor. <laughs> He runs like the biggest girl. <laughs> you watch, go back and watch the first season of The Mandalorian to see Bill Burr. He cannot run for shit. <laughs> like for all of his Bill Burr, I'm Bill Burr, like fucking that. He he runs like a complete puss. But like, what's anyway? What's what's fascinating there it, with this idea to me is when when you look at um, comedy um, and, and the industry behind it because. The, Okay, so there, there's so little production value in comedy. All you need is a, a, a microphone and a PA system and maybe a stage light. Like, we, we've, played, we've played in places where that is a big maybe. Um, <laughs> yeah. And 
and that's it and then everything happens by by your words unless you're like a prop comic or something and <laughs> but there is there is so little that goes into that so it's all about as you said it's all about the material the surrounding of it is very much excluded for the audience anyway so no one no one really looks at that when you're an audience member you just go you see that show and then you ask always the same questions like how do you get your material um mm -hmm. it's like it's, it's it's always these type of conversations um because the the process um in no shape or form is is ever explained because I wonder why that is. Is it's it because the process is actually not that interesting? <laughs> yeah. It's just a bunch of sad guys sitting at home writing in their notebook or something. Yeah. I don't know. Sitting in an open mic bombing constantly. Yeah, yeah but it's also very because, uh, I mean, software is remains a craft and comedy is a craft. Like Norm, Norm MacDonald put it beautifully. Like it, it, comedy is not not it's a craft because it's a craft of getting a room full of people to laugh at the same time. And that is like woodwork or any other craft. I wonder what that's every like. Every time it's yeah, different. There's no, there's no formula mm -hmm. that wins every time. And you Apart get the, from the three rule thing. Yeah, but uh, I mean, yes, <laughs> there, joke, hey? there are some formulas. There's some things to help you, like maybe get closer to a joke. Like don't, don't get up on stage and tell that fucking story from when you were ten. Or expect. do a joke about Hitler. I or do, do jokes about when I was 10. When I came into a teddy bear. <laughs> okay, that's immediately fucked. <laughs> Just to remind you. Of the, yeah. but, but I think what, so there's a, if I can flesh out a few things about this. So one thing is, is you, so when you told it to me last time, you said like this guy, he's kind of, uh, he's very shy and very un self-aware in a certain way or at least he's not aware of his yeah i've seen that person gig thank you <laughs> and, and it's good that you have so much self-awareness <laughs> and so uh and and basically so he's he's writing brilliant jokes he's trying to perform them himself and they're failing and he doesn't believe himself that these jokes are any good yeah and he starts giving them to people well i mean when thinking about it i was thinking his friend is watching him bomb and then he wants to teach him how to do it properly so he does Dean his material <laughs> the next night to show him how it works and it works great and then his friend is like well instead of me doing it why don't you do it and we can split the money okay yeah yeah, yeah. and they're like all right so that's kind of their agreement and then he finds another comedian who's very charming and suddenly the loyalty is broken, you know? And it's like, yeah. He, and he literally can't remember anymore which joke he gave to which person. Oh. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other aspect to this is, and this would be where this is like, like a bit of a genre breaking is that this would actually be set in this European comedy scene, which is something that is a, it's, yes. Yeah, because like we like we kind of know all about the US scene generally. We? Like we what well, we do and we don't, but people have the public has an awareness of it from yeah, big comics. Like the Swiss comedians in New York, for example. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Many, many great you know, all of them. We all know about them. DJ Bobo. <laughs> do you know what? 
<laughs> he's out of DJ Bobo. That's like the the punchline to almost every joke in Switzerland. He, he, yeah. he peaked too soon. But... <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, please for our listeners in australia please go and look up dj bobo it's such a sad here's thing. why i think this european comedy circuit is fascinating because because it's english it should like how can you have an english comedy scene in switzerland or berlin or in austria or serbia but it fucking exists like everywhere yeah. there are english comedy clubs and there is a circuit of comedians like we had Victor on on the last on a couple of episodes when this comes out, who is a comedian that tours that shit all the time. And it's a very like it's kind of like the Wild West of, of English speaking comedy now. Because like well, in, in terms of grammar, because it's so bad. No, or no but yeah, God, partly. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you've got the dynamics are different. So you've got expat audiences. So we, you know, with shows we do, you have like a Spanish person that speaks English. So you can't go with English cultural references. You can't use like double meanings of English words. That's or, or any cultural reference for that matter in mm. Switzerland. And we and we've seen there's no culture. We've here. seen US comedians come over here and struggle versus Tyrone, who's a US comedian who lives in Berlin, who's figured it out. He's figured out how to navigate this whole thing. Then you've got the fact that this thing is growing slowly, but it's being run by amateurs. Like it's it's really like comedy from the maybe it's like the comedy circuit of the sixties in the US, but it's happening in Europe. Which is fascinating because that would be the time where the concept of selling jokes was very common. Really? Um so this is very inside baseball. So the uh origin story for stand up comedy is vaudeville. And right. um a lot of acts at the time used the same material. This mm -hmm. was a very common thing. There was only a very few comedy writers and uh, people would play specific sets all around the US, but you would have multiple comedians playing the same things or even stealing off each other and play that stuff. And the guy that was obviously the, the, the richer, better comedian would be successful with stuff that they stole. Mm. So th this is the history repeating itself in a weird way. Yeah, yeah we've um, had com comedians Stealing shit? <laughs> trans, yeah, translating Trevor really? Noah's bits. Yeah, well. <laughs> you, and, and the fucked up thing was, I thought those was Trevor Noah's bits. You told me recently, Trevor Noah's a fucking joke thief he's, as well. He's been accused of stealing some jokes too. Wow. Accused. Accused. Peters. Motherfucker. I, said, I still hope for a position on The Daily Show, so shut the fuck up. Look, he's South African. Of course he's stolen something. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god but and you know what if okay so if the fan dream fantasy is this would be a tv series and the, i'm sure and then we sell, sell it to srf or what no, i'm already no, including myself no. in the process sorry man <laughs> no because here's what you do is you have lots of like panoramic shots of cities of europe this shit will sell like fucking crazy in the u.s so we romanticize European cities. Yeah, but every single time, every city that we show, we just film Prague. 
like, <laughs> like we're the born identity, <laughs> just <laughs> replacing. Yeah, we insert do. European city, Prague. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You do all yeah. those shots in Prague. That's like the cheapest yeah. there. Well, something I was thinking about is the running gag could be that half of the audience is always tourists who don't speak English. Fuck yeah. So it yeah. just so doesn't that's matter. A very normal. Okay, I have played in that room as well. <laughs> it's a normal show for us. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Why aren't they laughing? You're not funny. No, it's because they it's don't literally don't understand what you're talking about. You, yeah. and then how does this thing progress? So he goes from he's he's so he starts and then he starts doing his jokes himself. Well, yeah. I mean, the karma turnaround would be at the end of the film. He actually ends up having to perform himself, and um, yeah, I'm not really sure how it should end. The third act. So that there needs to be an all is lost moment where. Um, the two people that he sold the jokes to perform at the same show and they basically have the same set. Yeah, mm. I feel like that should be the, the middle arc of yeah. the story. That's where the conflict happens, yeah. right? So everything's fine in the beginning. It's kind of a nice relationship building. It's a career taking off. It's a happy story. And then this other person comes in, the conflict happens. You know, when suddenly both people hate him and he finds that he has nobody anymore. And, mm -hmm. uh, and then at that point, I think the character has to figure out how they can somehow present their thing. And maybe the funny twist is they say, I'm not a comedian, but I want to be like a poet and I want to be a serious artist. So they begin to write cool. like very serious stories about like, I don't know, the death of their parents and, and, yeah, and their brother writing, you know, really terrible articles or something like this. <laughs> uh, and then they go and perform it and it turns out to be the funniest shit ever. And everybody yeah. thinks it's funny and, and the person's even more destroyed. I don't know. I know exactly where they would perform that sort of material as well. It would be like in Iceland or Finland or something where they just like really dark shit. Uh, yeah, that would be the point where it turns around. Yes. Like they're doing this show in Iceland. <laughs> Reykjavik has some funny comedy rooms, actually. That's a, that's a good call. Yeah. I, I'm seeing a Mr. Robot like character as the main person of this. It's someone who's like super super like doesn't has some weird thing like it freaks out anytime someone <laughs> physically touches him. Oh, oh my god i was just thinking about this like do, do you guys remember eight mile uh, this is this is the episode where we reference movie after movie after movie so have you guys seen eight mile yes okay uh so eminem sitting in a bus writing down his little his little lines of uh the the battle that he's gonna go to. Uh, so i'm just imagining that situation yes. it's like the comedian sitting on an um on a tram in zurich with his little fucking moleskin no. black moleskin book dude yeah. this is how this is the grand finale it's a fucking roast battle and he's been he's his, his state so we recreate eight mile but it's a comedy <laughs> roast battle and he's he like this guy's super uncomfortable on stage he really struggles but because he had mom's spaghetti but then he gets pushed too far no. and the words like, yeah, start to flow up. and the biggest comedian in the whole scene he just destroys and then and then he discovers like riffing and a whole bunch of stuff and he becomes a real comedian. <laughs> he does he comes upon the concept of riffing. Mm, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Listen, he stops writing structured material and he just just does a crowd stream work. Of, yeah, he's very crowd work to it. Sounds like oh What's your name? What do you do? <laughs> yeah. So where are you from? <laughs> 
Let me guess. You're no. not. You're not funny. Do you work? <laughs> When does the comedy start? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. Oh my god. Oh god. Uh, this is this sounds fascinating. So, how far are you in pre-production? Have you been pitching this to a bunch of uh, studios? I just discussed it this over here <laughs> with Harry and yeah. Uh, yeah at the I, Harry and Christian desperately want to be in the show. Yeah, I was actually <laughs> thinking you, I could I could raise money from desperate comedians who who give me cash. Uh, here, here's a problem. <laughs> Fucking yes, to appear in this, <laughs> make a Kickstarter. Does that company still exist? Actually, no. Kickstarter? Yeah, of course. Yeah, what happened to crowdfunding? Is that still a thing? Does it oh, it's, a, it's a thing for big corporations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because how many times can you sell the concept of a carry-on luggage bag? Oh I my god! A, I got a sure. good concept for Kickstarter. I've always wanted to do a project saying, you know, that the concept that like if you just got a dollar from a billion people, you'd be a billionaire. I'd be like, my project is just as many people give me a dollar as possible, and then I would use that money for the good of my own drug addiction <laughs> <laughs> and you send them videos of you strung out yeah yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> that sounds like only fans it's fine <laughs> do you know what there is okay so i always thought there's a you know like we struggle as men because we don't have any physical bits that anyone wants to really see talk for yourself harry exactly <laughs> yeah yeah, but, yeah exactly okay i'm quite got, successful on only fans if you got a six pack but and, or a big the dick. thing that what <laughs> the women want to see is is uh successful men being humiliated that That's is a true. niche. This that is yours. Is, this, this is, is yours. yours. No, all you. Don't, all don't include us. Don't, no, include no, us. No. don't include us. Don't include us. This is you. This is not coming from me. This is coming from multiple conversations. Yeah, of all on Reddit. Professional ladies who are working in hierarchies and having to deal with douchebags above them. That the porn they want to see is is people executives being humiliated. So why did they read Fifty Shades of Grey? <laughs> that's not that makes no sense. To that's me. not the executive female crowd. That's the teenage <laughs> girl crowd. <laughs> I'm not sure yeah, about that one. Yeah, I don't know about that one either. <laughs> you, you got your target audience wrong on this one. Yeah, yeah. And know a bunch of 45 year old Chardonnays. Yeah, we may edit this, Jeremy, because Jeremy Jeremy knows that there's some truth in what i'm saying i can see from his face he's he's relating yeah but he likes yeah. to be humiliated yeah. like you no oh, no no i was just thinking how is this different from like cable news no but i mean i yeah anyway let's not go down the diversity rabbit hole all, all right, right should we if there's anything we know it's what women want <laughs> um, I, I watched that movie and uh, apparently it's Nike. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, that's great, great. Mm -hmm. Another great Mel Gibson achievement. <laughs> oh, wow. Yes. Yes. Good old Mel Gibson. The All right. Jeremy, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And, uh, Is there anything hope... you want to plug? Yeah. Is there anything I want to plug? The movie, I guess. No, not a, not at the moment. I don't have anything. His brother's to plug. Wes Anderson book. Go Actually, you should buy it. buy my brother's books. Please he's, he's, <laughs> You're such a great salesman. Uh, yeah, don't buy anything. Just save your money. 
Save your money. Subscribe to my OnlyFans account. Hey, and, and Matt cites hire Dean to actually do some design on your books. That's what Dean's saying, basically. I could probably do a better job Dean. than the fucking person <laughs> who did that book. Jesus. But, but Dean loves the book. He's a big Wes Anderson fan. And shout out to Matt Sites, who's <laughs> Shout out to Wes Anderson. There's a small off chance. He, we might actually have someone we're shouting to who actually listens to this to find out what the fuck's going on with his brother. Yeah, well, this was your opportunity, Jeremy, to release information about your brother that he wouldn't want out there. Yeah, yeah. You could plug Jeremy. That. He's got a tiny dick. Wow, this one, this is a great ending. Thanks, <laughs> thanks, that's, thanks that's for the wrap up, guys. <laughs> that's incredible. Really nice. We're horrible uh, people. Yeah. No, I, Jeremy. Jeremy is a genuinely like gen, one of the last. Not a mean person. No, exactly yeah. not. Yeah, nice and and yeah. So <laughs> we're not great either. Respect so uh, we uh, have to we have to come to the plugs. Any, any plugs? Yes, Christian? we have a plug. This is coming um, out in a week and a half. Exactly. So. Um, on the 13th of August, mm -hmm. ladies and gentlemen, uh, if you are in Belgrade, you can oh. come to the Benakiba, uh, Benakiba bar in uh, Savamala in Belgrade. Um, mm -hmm. We're going to do a show there. That's next month. Correct. We're going to Belgrade. We're going to do some live stand-up featuring Victor. Uh, what's his surname? Victor Patrashan. Patrashan. I can't say that Patrashan. word. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is going to be awesome. Very funny we're Romanian comedian. We're going to get Very stabbed nice. by a Serbian for sure. And Harry's going to try and find a Serbian wife. <laughs> <laughs> they, are, they are fucking uh, some scary Well, that kills two birds ladies. with one stone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm super excited about this, guys. We will be talking about this on the podcast quite a bunch, I guess, because it's, it's our little school trip um, to Eastern Europe. Cool. Um, <laughs> we can go see what real struggle looks like yeah. again. And, and Harry will see what real manliness looks ah, like. Got and, then, and then another plug is, is Contiki in Zurich is coming back on the 20th of August. Uh, very no, exciting. July. Uh, sorry, July, yes. Yeah, you can find I'm us bombing on, on stage consistently. Also, also, you can't come to this, but I'm doing a little private showing of a show I'm calling The Harry Fuck's Guide to Men and How to Get Them to a group of ladies that will be mm. happening uh, this is harry event. trying to get women no it's not me trying to get women are, wait are you for real are you really doing this are I'm, you doing your I'm, own ted talk i'm doing this the for, harry talk i'm this is no joke i'm doing this for some friends are so getting, why are you plugging are, are you getting paid for this i'm just telling you guys to freak you out but no i'm not getting <laughs> no, paid. Like, that's harry's great. just invited a bunch of women okay. to his house so to tell all, them all the friends, all the, friends that, here. all the friends that are going to listen to harry's little speech um if you want therapy my phone number <laughs> is serious <laughs> yes <laughs> to i call the suicide hotline don't go to his eight ladies that all of them are getting are going to find a marriage the marriage they're looking for after this from show from you mm -hmm. Because they're gonna, you're gonna teach them to no. be abusive to their husbands. Dean, do you see the? No. Do you see the pattern? Harry is building up a cult. Oh, <laughs> this is what that is. You would actually ah. be the perfect cult leader. You can have some retirement plan. <laughs> <laughs> you should watch more of those documentaries because it usually doesn't end well. It, it ends fast, but not well. Yeah, it ends in suicide. I, I think it's actually really impressive that you are going to manage to convince women to take <laughs> advice from a man on how to get men. Yeah, that's, I, that's see, awesome. See, here's how I trick them into it: is that <laughs> oh god, is that I've convinced them that I can give them deep insight into what men are really like. All right, the one thing. That you cannot provide is deep. 
Yeah, and also knowledge and what men are like. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's all the plugs. Uh, Dean, anything else? No? Yeah. Uh, thank you all for listening. Bye. Thank you, Jeremy. Bye. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy's like, oh, fine. Thanks, guys. <laughs>